Logan, you can come in whenever you want. I'm liking it so far. Mortal Kombat! Oh, I can't do the whole thing. I was, I was wondering how long you were going to go until you brought me into it. My voice is too shot to do the Mortal Kombat, so I'm glad you came in for that. <laughs> yeah, you do sound a little bit nasal, more oh, nasally today. Yeah, I'm a little under the weather. Just a cold, though. Yeah. Well, hopefully you feel better. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some Mortal You mean Mortal Kombat didn't help you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the first one helped a little bit, and then Annihilation set me back. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. But before we get into that, well, we, we watched some martial arts movies. we got to talk about Shang-Chi. Yeah, yeah, that's the, well, I guess, yeah, I guess there, there's two big martial arts blockbusters that are making the news this week. First, the Shang-Chi trailer mm-hmm. and HBO Max's Mortal Kombat. Oh, that's right. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, but, yeah for the first, that Shang-Chi trailer. Yeah. Um, it's, thoughts? I gotta say, I think it's a pretty standard trailer, and not in a yeah. bad way. I yeah. think it's uh, it's very interesting to see Marvel bring in a character that is his his ability is he is just so goddamn good at fighting. Yeah, and that's about it. And it's very interesting to see how that plays into it. I was, I it seems very clearly they're gonna play into more fantastical power elements later in the film, especially yeah. with the Ten Rings, but. Right. No, I mean, it was one of those films where it's like, I've wanted to see things of this for a while, and I've known people that are involved and whatnot, mm-hmm. but like, I was like, man, I just want to see something from Eternals, and I was like, oh wait, Shang-Chi comes out before then, and yeah. it was a good trailer, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a teaser trailer, or at least yeah, they, yeah. they call it that, it's, it feels very trailery for a teaser, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the state of trailers these days, is teasers are actually trailers, and trailers are like three minute clips, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, I I always felt like uh, generally Marvel with Marvel trailers, the first one is not the one that gets me super excited. No, it's yeah. like the second one or the or the first full trailer or whatever. The teasers yeah. are always like, okay, I'm interested. All right, that that's fine. And then the first full trailer or whatever is the one where I'm like, okay, let's go. So yeah. I'm 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 hoping that that when we get a full trailer for this. Uh, that we'll start to see more of the film's kind of own personality. Because, yeah, like you said, it was a very standard trailer. They played it very safe. It felt just kind of like, oh, Marvel movie number 24. You know, it, yeah, it didn't. It didn't. Yeah. There were certain moments, though. I really mm-hmm. liked the, the bits we got of the, the fighting. The hand-to-hand combat looks fun. Mm-hmm. The cinematography on the on the action sequences looks awesome. Yeah. I'm really excited for a Marvel movie where the camera kind of gets out of the way mm-hmm. of the fights. If you would have told me that the director of Just Mercy <laughs> would now go into a Marvel film and that Marvel film is Shang-Chi. Yeah. Like I completely forgot that that was a thing that Daniel Destin Cretton was attached to this. Yeah. And it's like, well, shit. This looks that's good. The, yeah. that's I mean, the this... story of a lot of Marvel directors though, you know, they make, yeah. make a a movie, not even necessarily a tiny movie, but you know, a, a non-franchise film, and that does not, you know, seem to lend itself to any sort of blockbuster filmmaking oh, yeah. qualities. But then Marvel picks them up, and mm-hmm. you know, most of the time, it really works out for them. For sure, I love like it was. It was personally for me, but just the fact that like when uh, the Shang Chi the bus fight just gave me flashbacks of like this is like the third or fourth bus fight i think in the mcu we've yeah. gotten yeah and it is kind of funny that like they're all vastly different in their own way and 
No, I just I thought it was kind of wild how they introduced the Mandarin by not saying he's the Mandarin, but visually making it clear yeah. that it's him. So it's going to be super interesting to see how they tie that into, I mean, all the fake Mandarin shit, which we both, I both, I think we both enjoy in Iron Man 3. Yeah, I actually really like the yeah. Mandarin twist in Iron Man 3. Not as big of a fan of the, like... I'm the Mandarin thing with uh, no, that with uh, yeah. Killian at the end. That but. felt like a studio scared that people weren't going to understand. <laughs> right, and it right, was right. like, ah, they got to make it clear. And it's like, no, that made things worse. Yeah. But yeah. No, Shang-Chi looks really good. I'm prepped. Or I'm, I'm pumped about it. Yeah. But it was funny. It was watching that and then, you know, watching all the Mortal Kombat films in prep. And I almost forgot because it just other things have been going by so quickly that, like, I saw Raya in the Last Dragon in theaters. Oh, yeah. Like it was, it was the first time in a little bit. I mean, I we, we went to go see in Godzilla versus Kong. We went to the theater, but like, I think there's one Sunday I was like, I could probably go to a theater right now if I wanted to. Yeah. It probably w- wouldn't be too packed. It was a mistake because it was absolutely packed. <laughs> but I mean, I guess it's a good thing for theater sakes. But uh, I saw the film. It's I felt like it was perfect to talk about martial arts wise, and mm-hmm. it is a really good time. Oh, it's about it's about where I would go with it. I mean, I I think Kelly Marie Tran. My God, I feel like if she doesn't have any voice acting credits in the future, it would be criminal because I think oh. she's a really good voice actress. I like how silly and fun the film is while also being able to have because like the whole film is basically like almost in a post-apocalypse or like during an apocalypse to a degree because like an evil being is like kind of slowly taking away the world and whatnot and it was interesting going into it because i was like i have no idea what this film really is like i don't like the teaser and i think the actual trailer itself just showed scenes not actually talked about the story and by the end of it i was like this is really fun Mm -hmm. and that's about it like it's it's not really it looked I feel like, like the action was really cool. Yeah, it's oh, it's really well done. The action's super well done, and the movie's fun and has good dis- and really fun designs. But like, um, yeah, that's kind of that's. I think that's I guess one of the things that is a a a con I guess for the film is like there's a lot of stuff that's really fun in it, but it also kind of rushes to the end, mm. and it's not it's not enough that I feel like it's going to be anyone's favorite Disney film. But sure. I feel like. It's really good. It adds to their track record a bit more. And we'll see where it goes from there. Well, and, there you go. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about the next martial arts film, uh, Cruella. Just kidding. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies, we take a trio of films and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding all three. And today we have a fun trio. We... <laughs> We are starting a trio that is fully done as of we're recording yesterday. So you see there's three Mortal Kombat live action films now. So we thought it would be fun to talk about the different live action interpretations of Mortal Kombat (laughs) as a trilogy. Because it is a trilogy and also it's so weird because there is a big gap of time in between basically the first two films and the next one. So we thought it would be a lot better to kind of do the first two films, which is 1995's Mortal Kombat and 97's Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and do those films first because watching the trailers for the new film, it seems very clear (laughs) 
that it's not a continuation. No. And it's doing a completely different thing, but it's Mortal Kombat. So absolutely, we're going to talk about it. And it's very interesting because we both have vastly different relationships with this first film. Because you don't really have... I don't. Well, you, Mortal Kombat in general, I don't really have yeah, a relationship yeah, yeah. with. Mm-hmm. It was it was kind of the fighting game I was least inundated with growing mm-hmm. up. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I've played it. I, I get the whole the, the appeal around it, but it was just never something that was really a part of my upbringing. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, the films I've never watched. You, That's on the right. other hand... Yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat, to me, I mean, as is more when I was getting older, probably when I was in early teens, on GameCube, there was a Midway Arcade Classics compilation that had, I think, Mortal Kombat 2 and 3 on it. <coughs> and I played it from time to time, was never really good, not really any good at fighting games other than Smash, which I think says a lot. Sure. <laughs> but, I mean, Mortal Kombat, for the longest time, was just... He was. It was a cultural icon. It was Mortal Kombat. Most people knew what it was. Most people knew Scorpion, Sub-Zero. Get over here. If you're a nerd, you know what Toasty means in terms of that all. <laughs> and I didn't really play a lot of the games that were on GameCube, PS2, and the 360 and whatnot. And until about Mortal Kombat 9 on 360, where it was like, it was an entire reboot, changing things up. And from that point forward, I kind of got more interested in the lore, per se. But until then, which we'll talk about that more with the next episode, because it's very interesting how much changes between the 90s films and the 2021 film, because Mortal Kombat is so much different at the time. Just as a property. Yeah, just the first two films come out in a time where it's like the only people who know the storylines of the fighting games are really, really big fans of those fighting games Yeah, who buy the games probably on console and look in the manuals going, what's the plot? (laughs) But most people who played them probably didn't really know besides the splash pages that go like, this is Shao Kahn. He's mean. This is Shang Tsung. He's evil. And it's like, other than that, at the time, because at the time the first film comes out, the first three games I think have come out, which are all classics in their own right. But it's, to me, like, what my relationship is with that first film is entirely, it is the polar opposite of yours, where yeah. uh, there were three, I guess, three big films as a child for me, and that's Toy Story, uh, Space Jam, <laughs> and Mortal Kombat. Wow. And Mortal Kombat, because, as what I've been told, when I was about one or two, maybe, I was thinking about one or two, my father would just put me in, a, in like the baby stroller and put me in front of the TV <laughs> and put on Mortal Kombat. And I think I've seen it more times than I can like remember mentally because yeah. I was just so young at that time. But I've, I've seen the film pretty much from time to time over the years. I mean, it's, I'm pretty well, I'm pretty well like kind of versed mentally in terms of thinking of all the scenes that kind of stick out to me and like, like I mean, we didn't watch the first film together because we were not in town at the same time. Yeah. But when I was watching it, there were just moments where I was like, "Where did you get these guys?" Like all the all this all the lines that are coming in, like the scenes that happen, you know, reptiles' wild introduction into the film, oh, like yeah. all you these mean, things. You mean Gex? Yes. <laughs> the uh, the an- the animation that is not aged whatsoever. <laughs> 
But yeah, the first Mortal Kombat film to me is a, I guess a, a childhood classic, quote unquote. And for a lot of people, hilariously enough, this film is like a huge classic for a lot of people, yeah. especially for Mortal Kombat fans. Right. Which is not surprising because this film basically cements certain things that the games will ultimately take on later on in terms of different character stuff, in terms of, I mean, the biggest thing to come from this film that will never die when it comes to Mortal <laughs> Kombat is its theme. Yeah. Which I had no idea until this film, until this current rewatch in this podcast episode, that it's called Techno Syndrome. <laughs> it's just literally called Techno Syndrome by the Immortals. Just a wonderful dated name and band through and through, and I Absolutely. love that. And like equally iconic in its own right, like on par with the game itself like yeah you know, people who've never played the games know the mortal Kombat theme yeah because the games at that point before the film the music was basically like almost evil kind of mystical music you'd hear in like an enter the dragon type film okay, yeah. like it was very much like i can hear like the second game's theme in my head but i'm like trying really hard to like think about it <laughs> well as with mortal com with techno syndrome it's It'll always be there, whether right. I want it to be or not. It'll never leave because it's so catchy and just dated in the right way. Yeah. Like, it's just like it, it just oozes 90s through and through and is unapologetic about it. And I love that. And obviously, a lot of people <laughs> love that <laughs> a lot. And this film is just it's a, it's it's a big moment for in a lot of ways as a film itself. It's not that good. But at the time it came out, I mean, it was the it was the light in the tunnel that video game movies needed because at that point, I think it was Super Mario Brothers came out in 93, Street Fighter the movie came out in 94, Double Dragon I think came out in 94. All three of those films were stinkers <laughs> that were critically hated. And here comes Mortal Kombat in 95, and this film makes $120 million and is, I think, critically well-received to a degree, where it's like, this film's just like the video game, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it's here to have fun, it's here to have a good time, it's here to have people fight. And people were like, it was kind of nuts that like there were a lot of people who were almost going to be in this movie because people were like, this is going to be a big deal, but due to scheduling conflicts and whatnot, what we get is a cast that I think, and jumping right into it, I think that there are some parts of this film, both scene-wise, but mainly uh, kind of elements to the film, that I think are unironically great. And I think the first thing I want to talk about is the trio of the main characters. I think all three of them fit perfectly with their characters in terms of, like, who they are in the games. Okay, that's I mean, fair. No, that's I mean that's what it is. I mean in terms of like are they great characters? <laughs> yeah, they're largely still bad no. characters and bad performances. No, no, no. Like, I mean in terms of being compelling human oh, beings, yeah. yeah. But like when it's like But in comparison to their yeah. their video game counterparts, I totally see that. I mean cuz I I mean Robin Shu is gorgeous and is perfect for Liu Kang. Yeah. Lyndon Ashby who I think initially it, they did try to get Jean Claude to play Johnny Cage at one point, and he was too busy doing Street Fighter the movie <laughs> to do it. But Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage perfectly exudes the smugness and the cockiness that is perfect for that character, to the point where like every time I think he has, I, every time he has a joke, I think it's genuinely funny. 
I think he sells it well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of the scene where he meets Liu Kang for the first time, and Liu Kang just throws his shit off yeah. a har- like off like the balcony, and it's like, remind me not to ask him to park my car. And it's like, it's such a silly line, but he commits to it so much. Yeah. And then, uh, God, I think it's Bridget. I can't remember her last name. It's the teacher from Billy Madison who plays Sonya Blade. <laughs> she is also pretty much doing what Sonya was at that point, where it was like Sonya hated Kano, She's a cop, <laughs> yeah, and she's she's a, she's a bad bitch, and she and she exudes that energy for most of the film until they force her to wear like a a King Kong dress at the end, which is really <laughs> weird. But I think all three of them are pretty are really fun. I mean, none of them really compared to how much effort Shang Tsung, uh, Carrie, God, I gotta look up his name, but Johnny Tsunami's grandpa. Is, his Shang Tsung. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's Carrie Tagawa. There's a there's there's a part in the middle that I don't want to butcher, but the 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 actor who plays Shang Tsung in the film is genuinely iconic to the point where he now is just canonically they asked him to be Shang Tsung in the new games. Like that's yeah. just how he how good he is. Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. Hiroyuki. Hiroyuki. So yeah, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa is just like phenomenal in this film and it's yeah, again he's just he's, he's schlock master he's killing it he's the, he's he knows what film this is but he's not phoning it in yeah yeah so uh, much eyebrow work and just yes it, he's just milking every line for all that it's worth yes it's i mean flawless victory fatality <laughs> every like all the big mortal combat lines he says beautifully and and then there's also a character that no one expected to be the way they are kano who yeah. is a mercenary? Uh, I think he's actually like a, a black a black arms dealer, a black market dealer. And in the games, again, the games don't really have voices other than the punching or like being torn apart voices. Yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is like Kano doesn't really have a voice per se. And so in this film, when they decide to make him Australian, he puts so much effort into this silly role. That now Kano in the games is Australian. Yeah. He's been like that ever, ever since. since. Yeah, and it's kind of wild to think that about this film because it's because again this film is like not that good, really. It it isn't, but right. it's it says a lot. They were like people were just begging for a video game movie that it was wasn't at, awful. That was at least looks like the game to a degree. Yeah, it feels like a faithful adaptation. Yeah, like it. you just you just want to be to a point where like I just want to shake fast enough and still tell that this looks like the game. <laughs> well, as a lot of the other movies were like, you know, Super Mario Brothers is like, let's make this Blade Runner. What? Yeah, in but kind of a kind of a time where everyone was afraid yeah. to like commit yeah. to making a video game movie and yeah. they had to make some kind of weird riff on a video game movie. You know, like this double... very much is just like, wow, this is a video game in movie form. Yeah, like the Double Dragon game is just, hey, those gang those gangsters stole my girlfriend. We have to kick the shit out of them to get her back. And then in the movie it's like it's a post apocalyptic LA two thousand nine. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is this? Just give me the game. Yeah. And the movie pretty much just gives you what the game is on a base level. No one's at that time is asking for a rich story from this movie because you don't get that. Yeah, when you think about what the games were at the time, they were so stripped down and kind of bare bones. 
unless you were one of those big fans really digging deep for that for that lore. Yeah. So it makes sense that this, this movie plays it incredibly simple yeah. and straightforward and almost not almost it's it's cartoony. Yeah. The the storytelling of it and the way the characters bounce off each other. The main the main 3 characters have a singular goal in terms of both a goal that they want to do and a and basically a subconscious goal they don't expect to happen until Raiden basically tells them outright. Where Luke King is going to Mortal Kombat because Shang Tsung killed his brother. So he wants revenge. Johnny Cage is going to Mortal Kombat because it'll prove that he's not a fake because everyone in Hollywood thinks he's a fake. And Sonya's going to Mortal Kombat because Kano's there and Kano <coughs> killed her partner. Pretty much clear cut. But as they're there, they grow as people to a degree. And it's basically... <laughs> Mostly yeah, Liu Kang. Yeah, well, it's like basically Raiden <laughs> just says, like, these are your goals and this is how you've grown. Like, yeah. Raiden just outright says what their goals are. And it's like, okay, that's the type of movie this is. is Raiden, this is silly. Is Raiden a gray-haired white dude in the games before this movie? No. Okay. Uh, Raiden before this is a guy who wears a hat. Okay, and so has he's like he's eyes. like the version that we see today. Yes, he's it's, like the version. Okay. Yeah, where it's like so it's, I it's guess a, he could it's technically a very funny. Yeah, uh, version of Raiden it's that like, we get in this movie. He's kind of like a cheap American Gandalf. Yeah, the lightning god is fucking Connor McCloud from Highlander. Yeah, which is really weird, but at the same time, it's the '90s and no one gave a shit. Yeah. And thought about why is the Asian lightning god Christopher Lambert? And they're like, I don't care. It's Mortal Kombat. It's yeah. like, all right. It's like, oh, it's star power. It's Christopher Lambert. And it's like, <laughs> all right. And he is hilarious. He is. Yeah. He is. I I was funny because like I did. I watched this movie last year with my roommates because they were like we were indecisive on what a movie we should watch. And then I saw it. It was on Netflix at the time, and I was like. Okay. We're watching this. You guys need to watch this. I think you'll love it because it's just wild and silly and stupid. And also it's nostalgic in the, in the right way. And when Christopher Lambert shows up as Raiden and he's like whisper talking. And yeah, he's like kind of growling. Yeah. I, I can't do it. Like it's like it's one yeah. of those things where I, if I try too hard to do it, I'll probably just botch it. Yeah. But it's like. Well, it's just hilarious because he's at the beginning of the movie, he's like committing super hard and it's just not working yeah and as the movie goes on he becomes like less and less committed to this gravelly Mm -hmm. reverent godlike talk to just like he's just like your hippie uncle by the end of the movie yeah he's the fun uncle like at the beginning it's almost like he's trying to put on a facade that he's like this some ancient mystic Yeah. yeah Like, he'll just go, like, ha, 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 He'll just do some weird, like, raspy laughing. And then by the end... I knew you guys could do it. Yeah. By the Johnny Cage fight with Goro, he's, like, punching other dudes because he's so happy, like, in the shoulder. He's like, yeah, look at my boy go. And it's like, (laughs) this is the fucking lightning god doing this? Yeah. And it's so funny to think that, like... Again, this movie is just... It's so fucking clean cut. There's just so little to really... There's really very little to dive deep into this movie. It's yeah. it's it is at its base level a popcorn blockbuster that was supposed to make money <coughs> and it made its money back. Like on eighteen million dollars made in its total run, I believe a hundred and twenty. Which is wild. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's even just domestic. If it is, that's even wilder if there's more international. But it is insane to think that this 
kind of lackluster movie. I mean, again, when you take off the nostalgia glasses, similar to Space Jam, it just doesn't age well. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I mean... But, it, yeah, it is definitely, definitely not a great movie, but if you're coming at it as a fan of the video games, it's like, what what, what more do you really want oh, from movie, a Mortal Kombat movie? Like, this movie's still fun as fuck. I still yeah, have a fun time. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's like, at the beginning, there's very little fighting. There's some... There's a, there's there's some fun yeah, little things here. It takes a while to get to the constant action, but then it there's, is. There's honestly some constant. really interesting cinematography in terms of like the lighting choices. Like Liu Kang's introduction is this like cement apartment with green light just blaring, oh, yeah, like yeah. a Blade Runner esque look. I think my and it's so yeah. weird. And then there's and then it hard cuts to Sonya, who is in a. 90s techno rave yeah. with a shotgun that has a flashlight attached to the top of it yeah. and everything's dark but it looks super it looks like the the 1984 Apple commercial and it's really yeah. weird that it cuts right to that <laughs> yeah there's one there's a shot that sticks out in my mind i can't remember who's about to fight goro but when it's when goro's showing up to some fight in the the sky is just blood red, mm-hmm. and he's lit from the sides. You only get this little little rim light of Goro, and the rest of him is just a black silhouette against a red sky, and he's, like, raising his forearms and screaming, and it's like, wow, that look. I mean, it looks like it came straight out of, like, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like, wow, that's actually really cool. And it's also kind of astounding that this is uh, considered to be one of the the better, if not one of the best video game movies out there. And it's directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. <laughs> this is his second film before he ended up doing the Resident Evil series, which is considered to be some of the worst. Yeah, which is also movies. probably what he's more known for. Yeah, than no, Mortal absolutely. Um, would, probably just because he's made so many of yeah, them. Yeah, who wouldn't be want to be known for like making 17 movies with your wife yeah. back-to-back? Which, if you guys want us to do two separate trilogies no, about the rest of the no, movies... No, thank you. Don't worry, he doesn't have a say in this. <laughs> <laughs> if you want us to, please let us know. We could do it. The rise of Resident Evil and the fall of Resident Evil. Or was it ever a rise? That's the thing, the quotes would be around yeah, fall. The ri- <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's weird to watch this movie and be like... No, he's actually... I mean, this is actually really fun. I think the direction is in the... I think his heart's in the right place, and I think the editing is... Yeah. I mean... It's also wild to think that this film is such a classic amongst fans of the video game, as well as probably people who were I mean, who were kids in the '90s. And this film is a hard PG-13. Yeah, like this is like apparently the deal was is the initial script was a pretty hard R, and New Line was like, no, the deal is it has to be PG-13 so teenagers can go see it. And so they made a PG-13, and it still exudes that Mortal Kombat energy. There's just yeah, it no didn't blood. really even occur to me until just now yeah. that, like, all of the gruesome violence and mm-hmm. fatalities were pretty much gone from this movie. It leads to some silly kills, like Sub-Zero's kill. Yeah. I, I did kind of forget that Sub-Zero's kill is basically, he makes a ball that is, like, of ice, and then Liu Kang just throws water in said ball, turning it to an icicle. Like a spear and stab yeah, it stabs yeah. Sub Zero, and it's like, well, I guess if you can't really kill him right, I guess that's the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, Scorpion's death is very fun. They get around that by being like, ah, it's flames because he's a demon. Yeah, but like, it's it's pretty much just like clean cut. If there's a there's a neck snap, or if there's like a 
you know, break, like a neck, a back break, it's all kind of off camera or yeah. it's cut really close. And it's, it just strangely <laughs> works. I don't know how it does. Honestly, it's in terms of like, I mean, the final kill is Shang Tsung getting thrown onto a pit of, of spikes and it just still works. Even though you see no blood, it's just, oh no, he turns into a ghost. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I guess that's how you get around that. But yeah, it's basically a live action cartoon. Yeah, it's exact. I mean, it's like if you if your only knowledge of the games are basically you go to the roller rink or the arcade from time to time to play the game in the '90s, and you go see this movie, it's gonna fit the vibe that a, a an arcade fight can give you. Yeah, almost verbatim. And it's kind of wild to think how well it kind of. Like it's it's very hard sometimes to have like a film where it's like you got to make sure it hits the teens, be hip with the teens, yeah. and actually kind of work in that regard. Right. And I mean, it worked so well. I feel that, like that's already that was already the appeal of the games at the time. Yeah. so they didn't really have to do anything different to make. Oh, that I mean, happen. we haven't really talked about. I mean, the appeal of the games were also at the time it, they were gory games that were considered bad for the community, yeah. bad for society, but that only made. Future only made generations want to go. No, we're playing that. Yeah. Like I don't give a fuck what you're saying. I mean, it was such a big deal that I'm pretty sure there were Sega Genesis bought solely because that game had you could do the blood code in the Mortal Kombat <laughs> port, but you couldn't do it in Super Nintendo, wow. which Nintendo learned very quickly with Mortal Kombat 2 to make it just rated M and have the blood. Yeah, but that's the that's the era of Mortal Kombat at that time. There's just like. It's at, at that moment they were like people want more action, people like what they're seeing, and it worked. How could it go wrong? <laughs> well, it does, and it goes so wrong that if I remember correctly, Rotten Tomatoes says, in terms of its aggregator, it is uh, the sequel to Mortal Kombat is the second worst video game film. Of all time. Second worst. What beat it? Uh, Alone in the Dark by Ah, Uwe Boll. (laughs) I see. Which I've seen clips of and I understand. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's it's wild to think that in 95 you have this wildly successful film and you go into the next one and you're like, obviously they got to make put more characters in. You know, there are new games coming out. Make it bigger. Make it badder. And what happens is they rush the film. They rush it to the point where the script is bad, where most of the actors don't come back and they have to basically recast the entire film. They don't come film. back because they read the script. Yes. I mean, I think one of the... Actors that wanted to come back. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, that's the thing is the biggest offender, I think, is for Lyndon Ashby, who was more than willing to come back as Johnny Cage, but also was like, we had a deal that if there's a sequel, I get a bigger pay. And so they go, oh, okay. But instead of that, they're like, hey, you get a bigger pay, but we're going to kill you off in the first five first, minutes. Yeah. And Lyndon Ashby went, fuck you, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lambert didn't come back. At the time, he, he blamed it on Beowulf because he was filming a Beowulf oh. film in the 90s. And then I think years later, he was like, no, I read the script. It was really bad. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, Bridget, who played Sonia, she didn't come back because she was doing I Know What You Did Last Summer. So the only people who come back are uh, Liu Kang and Katana. And the reason why we didn't bring up Katana in the first film is because she's a nothing character. Yeah, she kind of becomes important late yeah. in the film. And... She's kind of she's Liu Kang's girlfriend in the in the games. 
And that's only if you kind of read into it or <laughs> yeah. if you, like, read, like, there's a relationship. I don't even know if the time, if that's even a thing. Like, it's, it's like, not, I think later... It's definitely think, not established in the first movie. Which is because they cut that part out of the I film. Because in the first film, uh, I mean, Robin Shu was excited because he thought that the romance between him and Katana was very well done. But when they did the test screen and, they're in the, and the test screeners were like, please... More action. We need more action. <laughs> they cut the romance subplot and added new fights and elongated others. And yeah. so that becomes a nothing thing. At the same time, though, I do think for that first film, that actually makes the film better because Liu Kang's relationship with his brother is vastly more interesting yeah. in terms of like the guilt surrounding his brother's death other than, oh, God, I got to save Katana. She's hot. Yeah. Which is a part of Annihilation to a degree. But... Yeah, this film is just wild because there's just so many things where it's like the the producer, Lawrence Kazanoff, I believe, who is uh, basically in the 90s, fell in love with Mortal Kombat, like went to Midway, saw early things in Mortal Kombat, and basically went, this needs to be everywhere. <laughs> it needs to be a TV show. It needs to be a cartoon. It needs to be a stage play. Like He loved Mortal Kombat so much, he wanted it to become an empire. Yeah, And at the time, Midway goes... No, it's a video game. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> and then a few years later, when 2 and 3 came out, they were like, oh, shit, this could be a movie. And so they let him make, produce the first film. Yeah. And so for this film, he basically produces it again, but this time around, he's cutting corners literally in every way. Oof. Where it's like, Paul W. Sanderson doesn't want to come back as a director because of Event Horizon. So they upgrade a DP, uh, I think is, I can't remember his name, but he is, I mean, He's a good DP in the first film, but he's not a director, and he's never directed before. Yeah. And so, like, basically, he goes, everyone who worked on the first film, you've now been promoted to the next step up. <laughs> and no one really had the time to really realize the changes in that kind of regard. Yeah. And, and honestly, on a technical level, I this might be the worst <laughs> film I've ever seen of this budget. Oh, yeah. Just on a technical level. I mean, we, we you know, we can talk all day about the awful writing and acting and everything but like just the way this movie looks for that much money mm -hmm. it's like what 30 to 40 million yeah so the first film was horrendous eight, the first film in 95 was 18 million and the second film is roughly or at the lowest 30 at the highest 40 so let's say twice as at least twice as much yeah as the first film and they try to do too much and it shows in literally every scene. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, the the like opening scene. I don't, I'm not sure the film ever looks as bad as its opening <laughs> scene, where they they do full sky replacements, but they clearly like didn't finish mm -hmm. them. They just like threw on some low pol low res uh, PNGs in the sky mm -hmm. and rotoscoped out the buildings. There's yeah, yeah mm -hmm. hand rotoed all of the uh, all of the actors as they move across the screen, and you can even see like bleed from the original sky coming yeah. through. On There's actually a part the in this in the sky where you can see they layered over one another because at a certain point you can see a hard geometrical line. Yeah, in the and because in the space where it's like, oh, this is where it ends, yep, and they yep. didn't fix that. Well, and you can see. Uh, I mean, they must have shot on a on a sunny day like the original sky. Yes, because. There are scenes where, like, lens flares cut across characters, but there's no lens flare or light source in the sky. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, where are these lens flares coming from? And also from? They, they blew, they they make a blue tint to the first half, yeah. which is, like, just looks really rough. It's so and, ugly. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where in the first film, the first film doesn't actually end on a sequel cliffhanger initially. It wasn't supposed to until they reshot it because the test screenings went so well. Yeah. And in the original film, there are hints at the Mortal Kombat 2 main villain Shao Kahn, but at the time, it's just a random dude in a costume, and it's voiced by Frank Welker, doing, like, Shao Kahn, like, yeah. lines. And then this in this film, they get Shao Kahn... And he's just a dude. Everyone's just a woman, a dude. Yeah, just they like, just look. They don't yeah. look like super unique or scary or yeah. like perfectly fitting for there's, the role. They're a, just generic people. There's a centaur that obviously looks like the dude is wearing brown pants and hoof shoes, and they're CGing without any kind of reference. The the horse on his back. Yeah, and it's. It's obviously in this film they're trying to go, we need more action, we need more characters, you know, Mortal Kombat 3 is out, you know, 4 is about to come out, we need to just jam-pack this with shit that the fans are going to like. And hilariously enough, when the trailer first came out for Annihilation, a lot of people were pissed because most of the cast was not involved. Right, right. And it's funny too, because I think Kasanov even says in a in a uh, interview, it's like, I mean, they change Batman, like, every other year. Why can't you do that with these characters? And it's like, well, I mean, it's only one guy. Right. It's like, what do you... And it's also... There's so much more to it than that. And it's like, why is that the excuse you have? And you know what? I think the most fun would be to just... You know, Andy, what is the plot of Mortal Kombat uh, Annihilation? Yeah, we got about... We got to the point... Right about the time where I asked you, is this movie almost over... That was when I was asking myself, what actually happened this movie? And uh, the best I can piece it together is it's kind of kind of a redux, in a way, of, of the events of the first film. So in the first film, you know, Shang Tsung is trying to take over Earth by way of the Mortal Kombat uh, tradition, which is basically mm-hmm. his realm has to win Mortal Kombat in order to win the right to invade Earth. He fails in the first film, and so his his commander, the Emperor Shao Kahn, arrives in Mortal Kombat Annihilation to announce that basically, like, fuck Mortal Kombat, I'm t- taking this place anyway. Basically doing two and three together, because yeah, it's kind of like the, yeah. f- the second and third game. So, so Raiden tells, you know, uh, Sonya and Liu Kang that basically uh-huh. you guys got to go stop him. Well, and Johnny Cage, um, even though he's only there for a few minutes. Yeah, Johnny Cage gets his neck snapped. <laughs> yeah. Um, tells him, basically, you got to go stop him. So they end up in Outworld, which is where uh, Shao Kahn's from. Mm-hmm. And uh, they basically have to face him down and defeat his his generals in order to, uh, to prevent them from invading Earth. And that's, like, the premise. <laughs> but beyond that... I didn't really follow anything. It was just a bunch of disconnected, dis- sorry, disconnected fight scenes. Yeah, that was supposed to be the premise, and to a, and to a degree, they loosely followed that. But what's yeah. so funny about the film is basically it, it it comes down to being it starts right as the first one ended. Right, Johnny Cage dies. Shao Kahn says, "You have six days, or I'm going to destroy Earth and become one with Out Outworld," because that's his whole thing. Is he's he's merging the realms together. Oh, okay. And yeah. then Raiden is like, hey, how about you guys go get your friends and I'll meet you later? 
<laughs> and so for like 30 minutes, they go and get their friends. And then when they come back, Raiden, I guess, is quote unquote young and hot again. Yeah. Because he's got a new do and a new outfit. And then Shao Kahn like gets him in a corner. And so they just go to Outworld. And then they just fight the generals and Shao Kahn and that's it. Yeah. It's just, it's very clear that whatever was initially intended for the script, even if it was bad initially, became even worse because it feels like there's just so much cut out. Yeah. And and things were changed. Yeah. Because apparently, like, so the introduction of Jax is basically in the film, (laughs) Sonya tries to go find her partner Jax, and Jax decides to upgrade his arms with metal enhancers, which makes him look like metal arms. Yeah. And in the original script, I think it was supposed to be like an epic jailbreak moment. <laughs> like it was going to be a plot beat where everyone, they break Jax out of jail. Gotcha. And then they were called by the producers being like, we need this to be like a close quarters, like three three people fight. And they're like, okay. And then now it's Jax is in a lab. Cyrax shows up, who's a cyborg ninja, but is never given any context. Yeah, it's it's this film is one of the worst offenders of. I saw something I knew when I clapped that I've ever seen, <laughs> and it's very clear that that's the only reason why it's in there is because at the time they try to take advantage of Mortal Kombat having very little plot by just being like, fans don't give a shit, right. just throw in Nightwolf, and then you watch it and you go. Why exactly is Liu Kang now in the in the in the West? Right. Why is he in the West? Oh, okay, and Sonya's somewhere. <laughs> Where are they? And it's like you. And it's like I don't. Uh, to a degree, yes, I don't watch the first Mortal Kombat entirely for plot, but at least it's fun enough. String a story together. Yeah, there's enough character there that I have a good time all around. While as with this, it's just trying to throw so much at you and obviously has no interest in trying to do anything with what they're throwing at yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's you just, all action and yeah. none of it's good. Like, there's supposed to be, like, there's supposed to be scenes where they're supposed to set up a general dynamic. Like, who's the best general and who likes what and whatnot. And you just don't care. Yeah. That's the whole film. A lot of this film, when we watch this, we watch this with friends because why not? And with alcohol, because of course we were going to. <laughs> and there are just big chunks of the film where we're just talking about other things we liked about from the other film, as well as just other stuff. Right. And you just don't feel like you're missing anything. And then when just you're generally this. commenting on how like yeah. unconvincing all these characters are. Yeah, then like a CG monster shows up and you go, whoa, what the fuck is that? And then it just goes away. Yeah. And then you're like, cool, I guess that's where some of the money went. Some, yeah, clearly yeah. not a lot. I don't know where the money really went yeah, in this movie because none of it looks like it had money. Because in the, in the first film, the final battle is supposed to be tied to Liu Kang facing the past, facing himself, and facing his fears, which he does in different like lengths in the Shang Tsung fight at the end of the first film. In the second film, he's kind of supposed to do the same thing, but obviously so much has been cut that basically what happens is Nightwolf, who is a Native American Mortal Kombat character, just shows up and goes, you need to learn your animality, which is a fucking thing (laughs) that is just a silly quirk that you can do in the games if you know it, if you just know the secret. And then once that's taught, all it leads up to is truly... 
truly without a doubt one of the worst CGI fight scenes any, that has ever been put on yeah. screen in terms of a big budget film. For 40 mil, if you told somebody, if you didn't tell anybody that this is a 40 million dollar film, they would just assume this was a class project nowadays. And yeah, how this looks horribly. It's just animated and handled. And what's even funnier is that not only does it end quickly, there's not even a transformation sequence where you see Liu Kang and Shao Kahn go back into human form. They just are back to being humans yeah, again. Yeah, they just from one, like a cut from one shot to the yeah. other, and they're back to normal. Which is also funny because it's like apparently New Line, the test screenings were so good for this movie that New Line was so confident they're like, people are going to see this anyway. Fuck it. You don't have to finish the effects. And I, I've I never fathom, heard. I can't fathom who they showed it to in the test screening. Yes. It's like, whoa. Okay. Okay. And then you just watch the film and it's like, I mean, honestly, the, the biggest blatant stuff is not even that, but just the fact that like when they turn into human again and the fact it's just a hard cut, I was right. like, that just feels like a, and we're going to have an insert where yeah. they turn into human and that doesn't happen. <laughs> and then it's like, it just all around annihilation is truly, I mean, I think it's a so bad it's good movie, but it's not one of my favorites of those either. Yeah, it's, it's, it only goes it's, so far. It's so bad it's a little bit entertaining. So bad, it's, it's, it is a so bad it's good film that works its best when you're in a room of people who haven't seen it, which is what I was in, <laughs> seeing it with you and my yeah. two roommates, where it was like, I knew all the dumb, horrible shit that was in this movie, but you didn't, nope. and it was truly, the guys, the best part, and girls, of course, and everyone out there who's listening, thank you so much, but it is truly the best part of watching Annihilation this time around was just every now and again looking at Andy's befuddled face as he re- as he was trying to process what the fuck he was looking at yeah. and being like, buddy, lots this of, is just the movie. <laughs> lots of squinting and mouth hanging open. And, yeah. yeah. You're just like, what? What? No. Yeah, Why would just, they do that? It's <laughs> like, that's just what they but did. Just on, just on, honestly, I just couldn't stop thinking about the budget, the whole movie, because it's just, they're... So many aspects of this film are would be a strong contender for the worst of that aspect for this amount of money. Yeah. Like, just everything about this movie, it's unfathomable that it costs this much to make because there's no sign of what that money went to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a star-studded cast, so you can't say that all the money went to the... That's where they, that's where they skimped on it. Yeah. That's where they... And the effects are awful... The script is awful. I do the fight choreography is awful. It is pretty much like it's very clear that a lot of people who were involved in this film, if they were martial artists or or were trying to train to to learn the fights, they didn't have a lot of time. Yeah, and they were learning either off camera or, or it got lost in the edit. <laughs> yeah, because apparently, I think where a lot of this money went is I think in the first film they shot mainly in two places. On sound stages in California and in Thailand for the uh, kind of the exterior Mortal Kombat, you know, areas. Yeah. And uh, but even then, the Thailand stuff, I don't. It's not a big part. It's mainly in studios. And in this film, apparently, this film had a globe-trotting production where they went <laughs> to like they went to Europe, they went to like Italy, they went everywhere for no reason. For no reason. You can't really tell. 
It's very clear. It's like, that's what's so funny is like when I heard that and I was like, they put, they went to so many different places for this film. And then you watch the film and it really just doesn't look any different from one another. They pick the most bland places to shoot in different areas. Yeah. I mean, there's that great moment where Raiden's introduced in that big, I don't know where that is, that kind of landmark that's in the wall. Oh, like in the, yeah. In the, it's it's in know. Transformers 2. I can't remember. Yeah, it looks kind of like one of those, like, Mesa Verde, like, yeah, yeah. ancient native uh-huh. kind just, of wall, <laughs> cliff wall society. It does have Raiden with his arms on his hips and then a, a, a strong zoom out. It's, yeah. like, really weird, yeah. but... Yeah, this film didn't have to do that, especially with the fact that, like, this film is supposed to be, like, a war or at least a destruction of the Earth at the same time. It's supposed to be a war, but instead it's just, I'll see you in six days or you're dead. And then every now and again it's like the Eiffel Tower gets popped up. Yeah. Or, wildly, the Twin Towers are just there at certain moments. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's New York Next to the Eiffel Tower, okay, yeah, <laughs> whatever. And then the in the film, hilariously enough, after they beat Shao Kahn, it just ends. Like they're just back in Thailand, and it's like, oh boy, nothing happened. Yeah, everything just get teleported saved. back there, and then and then they throw their arms around each other, and it just cuts to the logo. Yeah, and then like the the elder gods who are supposed to be, because the whole thing in Mortal Kombat too, especially in the later versions it's like Mortal Kombat is basically to appease the elder gods because if you piss off the elder gods obviously you're not going to last and so in the first game it's like Mortal Kombat happens and in the first film Mortal Kombat happens because it's almost like a loophole to basically win a realm if you win the tournament the second game basically does the same thing to a degree and then the third game is basically Fuck you, Elder Gods. I'm taking over Earthrealm. And then Shao Kahn dies. Yeah. And then in this, it's like, okay, so the Elder Gods are supposed to be powerful. All right. All right. Raiden does in this film is go, the Elder Gods will be mad. You broke your rules. Yeah, and the Elder Gods are pissed. And then you see the Elder Gods, and it's just like a a nice Mormon couple in different clothing. Uh, yeah. And it's like, who the fuck are those guys? Are those, oh, those are the Elder Gods. Cool. That's wonderful. I'm glad that this is a thing. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it is to a degree. It's uh, to a point. It makes me even more excited about the new film because yes. it can't truly get this low. The only way a film could really get this low is if you just don't try. Yeah, like well, it's like, and, and it I, sucks too yeah. because every actor in Annihilation is trying their fucking best with the absolute ass they're given, and it just does nothing to help. Right. Like, Robin Shu, obviously, probably at a certain point, whether he knew at the beginning but committed because, you know, Mortal Kombat, you know, he really enjoyed the first film and he was keep going, or he figured it out throughout the project and he wished he regretted being a part of it. <laughs> but, like, he tries his best and it does nothing. Right. Katana is such a nothing character and her actress doesn't really do anything. So that's their... They're all nothing characters. They're all really nothing characters. Jax is technically the most... Actually, I would say Raiden's still the most fun, but he still sucks compared to the first film. Yeah, yeah. Because in this one, he gets his ass beat a lot. And at least in the first film, it's like they give off the air that he's, like, too powerful for his own good. Right. And then this one, it's like... not allowed to participate. And then this one, it's like, get out of here, nerd. Every time he shows up, and it's like, he's... 
a god. Yeah. He's the lightning god. Why you gotta treat him like that? <laughs> and what you get is just... <sighs> I I knew this was going to be a hard one to watch, which is why I, mm-hmm. I said alcohol would be needed for this. But it, I mean, honestly, it was the most fun watching it with you and yeah. the guys and just being oh, yeah. like, I'm so glad I don't ever have to watch this again. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really glad to not watch it on yeah. my own. Like, like if my girlfriend for some fucking reason or like a family member was like, I heard about this movie being yeah, super nope, bad. Nope. Nope. Is it really that bad? I'm going, yep, you can watch it yourself. Yes. I'm not watching it. Right. I've already seen it too much. I'll listen to the soundtrack, which I think still slaps. It's still, I mean, it's entirely just like wild choices for a Mortal Kombat yeah, film. Yeah. Like KMFDM, fucking Scooter, Rammstein at one point mm-hmm. is like, ooh, a Mortal Kombat film with Rammstein. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just... It's so wild to think that, I mean, it makes sense to a degree where it's like, oh, yeah, you flew too close to the sun this time around. <laughs> like, you just got, you kind of got lucky the first time around. And then yeah. this time, you just not, you didn't fly too close to the sun. You literally flew into the sun and exploded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, though. It does make me make me a lot more excited for the new film, which I was already really excited for anyway. Uh-huh. I think even as somebody who's not really invested in the Mortal Kombat franchise, it looks awesome. I mean, it gets it's, it looks like it has kind of that full-budget mm-hmm. slick treatment. Visually, it looks awesome. It looks like they're giving all the characters their kind of, you know, uh, justice in terms of their portrayal. Um, mm-hmm. it'll just be interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, I'm really excited for like high production value Mortal Kombat oh, yeah. on screen. I mean, tonally it just looks better in terms of it's, it's feeling like it's trying to grab what the newer games are doing where it's like, we're it's taking, taking our, itself a little more seriously. Yeah, our, we'll take it a world seriously, but if I see, you know, if I see a goofy skeleton or if I see reptile, yeah, yeah. You know, I'll make a joke. Right, right. Those kind of things where it's like in the newer games, it's like... Yeah, it takes itself seriously, but every now and again, Johnny Cage is like, "So this is a thing, huh?" Yeah. It's like, "Yeah, that's right, right." That's about as uh, tongue in cheek, but yeah, not the totally right amount. Falls to the wall, hammy. I mean, just fucking Kano in the new trailer. Just the fact that he says Kano wins, Kano wins, fucking beauty. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, they know what this is. Yeah, and I appreciate it, and I'm so glad. Then next week, we are talking about You get to talk about, about that it. one. <laughs> yeah, so as you're listening to this, which I think we've already said before, but we record live as always. Have we said that? Have we ever said that? That we record live? Yeah, has that ever been said once on this podcast? I don't know if it has. I don't but know. I'll say it again one more time. Yeah, please. We record live on yep. a podcast. Yep. And so next week, which is May 1st, we are doing an entire episode on the new Mortal Kombat. Will it be a long one? Will it be a short one? Who's Will we, to say? Who's to say? Will we have a fun time with Sub-Zero and Scorpion? I think I'll say yes. <laughs> All we know is that it will test our might. Yes. And there will probably be a flawless victory, maybe a fatality involved. <laughs> but until then, I'm Logan Sohosh. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.